Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. We have Ken Quiethawk to thank for that amazing intro, and you can find him and his wife at nativestorytellers.com. Very important that we remember how history was shared down through the ages, and Native Storytellers are one of those ways. And uh, so I, I check them out. They are an amazing couple, and their website is, is a phenomenal website. Also, reminder... Uh, tomorrow night, Monday night, no, tomorrow night, Sunday, Monday night at 9 p.m., Michelle Avanti will be on the show. So have your birth date and everything ready and call in if you're so inclined. That said, Mark has a fabulous show here today, and I am so looking forward to this author. He's a phenomenal author, and the topic is one that is near and dear to my heart because, of course, it has metaphysical paranormal material in it. So I'm as juiced as they can be, so welcome to the show, Mark. How are you doing? Um, Mark? I'm okay. I had a little... Mark had a little something, not sure what. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I had... Uh, uh, it must have been a car hit a telephone pull up the street and it's like all of a sudden lost connection uh right as the show started um yeah so <laughs> <Typical>. surprisingly <laughs> yeah uh yeah we're, i'm back on the air <laughs> <laughs> had a little did you did you ever the, think that that ever since we did that that show with um Oh, I can't remember his name, but but the talking mongoose demon. Do you think maybe he gave Jeff to us, and Jeff is now infiltrating into every show we do? <laughs> uh, that that could be a real possibility. I'm just waiting for this uh, uh, weasel kind of uh, character to uh, appear in in the uh, window or something like that and start yelling <laughs> profanities at us. That's kind of the way 
the the, the week is gone, but yeah, it, it, it's the ghost of Jeff. Yes, the talking mongoose uh, rides again. Yeah, that's uh, we're going to have to bring him way. back to the show to exercise it. I think. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way this week's gone. But uh, um, you know, we we have um, really interesting show uh, lined up, and you know, we don't do a, a, a whole lot of. Uh, paranormal ghost uh stories but the ones we've done have been uh really good we, we just uh i went in the last uh, month we've uh worked in uh, more of these topics and uh yeah i think they've been well received and i think Absolutely. we have another uh a leading name in uh, paranormal research uh, joining us today. So, uh, you know, we have Western uh, Kentucky's uh, Stephen King uh, joining us. Uh, you know, our guest is a former prison guard turned radio host and author, Steve Asher. Uh, Steve hosts the House of Asher radio show, and he just published uh, Hauntings of the St. Vincent Academy. So, welcome, Steve. How are you doing? Hey, present and accounted for, sir. All yeah, right. the, the, the West Kentucky Stephen King thing. Yeah, no pressure. Um, <laughs> wow. I, I think I'd rather take my chances with the demon mongoose. Um, yeah, that's, that's, some big, that's some big shoes to fill. Whatever. You know, I'll tell, I, I joke with people, and they'll kind of go, I says, yeah, you know, people would kind of sometimes joke and say, yeah, the West Kentucky Stephen King. And, and uh, they're like, those are some big shoes. I said, well, you got to remember, I'm from Kentucky. We don't wear shoes. So... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes, but it, you know, it, it's you know your uh, latest book is similar to uh, you know like Night Shift, collection of stories, your, your interviews with eyewitnesses of this uh, building complex in Western Kentucky. It's similar to, uh, you know, what Stephen King has has done with uh, some of his collections of uh, stories, and you know, it's, I think you, yeah, you're covering uh, a wide variety of hauntings, strange occurrences. You ha- have these characters like. Uh, you find in pet cemetery there are these you know just small town people that ha- have these little uh, i think you do a nice job of creating their uh what do you say like nuances you know for, that that you find in like an author who's observing people in a small town well well thank you i mean it's I'm bad with compliments other than saying thank you. I don't know what to say. Uh, but well, it's one of these things. I've been lucky enough to to travel quite a bit, uh, you know, domestically and, and internationally. But it always kind of comes back to that um, kind of Mayberry, uh, Norman Rockwell esque thing uh-huh. of growing up in a in a small southern town, and you knew your neighbors, and you know, you you have like the little uh, fair or whatever downtown you know, around the square and they have cakewalks. I mean, 
don't get me wrong, everywhere has problems, but you know, there's a certain vibe, both positive and negative, to a small town. And um, when I started writing, I just started writing about folklore and, and stories I heard growing up, and and then you know, also connecting with investigations that I did and places that I visited and whatnot. And um, and it just sort of come together like that. It was, um, you know, I don't know. Sometimes when, when I was first writing, it almost come off like – because everyone's finding their – getting their legs. And I was like, okay, well, this sounds more like, like a Lovecraft story. This sounds more like a Poe story. You know, this almost sounds like a um, – Oh my goodness! Uh, the the cat on the hot tin roof guy. Um, I'm blanking. Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams, where it was just so flowerly, so, such such a southern dripping syrup kind of thing. I had to pull it back uh, because I was like, well, people from the south that out of the south will not a probably care or get that. So I had to kind of get it get it cleaned up for mass you know mass consumption and. And so far, people seem pretty well with it. I mean, I I do my absolute best to not convince anybody about ghosts or anything like that because I don't know what's out there. I, I know I've encountered some things and um, had some experiences and talked to people that had experiences. But now, if they say I felt I dealt with uh, a nature spirit or something like that, or I dealt with a you know maybe somebody had a really negative experience and said they felt it was a negative entity, or maybe they even used the term demon, I will use their term. I'm not there to judge it. It's very, you know, just the facts. You know, this is what they felt they saw. This is what mm-hmm. maybe my opinion is, you know, because sometimes people's like, well, I thought it was this and that. Traditionally, like, you know, there's certain things. Poltergeist activity has sort of a marked level of events, things like that. Uh, so, you know, I'll look at what I have learned and what they report and then kind of pull together a general consensus. But so far, the the responses have been positive. Okay. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, you you have gotten a lot of um uh, tr- traction out of this uh book so far. You, you had had a really nice discussion with uh, Richard Sirrett uh a week or so ago. Uh, and he he uh, you two really delved delved into the book and uh I was I was impressed. You'd, it was a uh, thought-provoking uh, talk about so many different aspects of the paranormal. So, well, well, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, Rich, I, I have a tendency of okay. You're talking about Stephen King movies and books. Mm-hmm. You know, Richie. You know, Richie Tozer. You know, calls Eddie Eddie Spaghetti, and mm-hmm. I'm that guy. I have that. I have that vibe. Uh, I'll, if your name is Rich, Richard, I'll probably call you Rich. Um, or whatever, you know. That's just my name. I shorten everything, and I talk to everybody like they're my best friend. It's. I think it's. Um, part of that's, believe it or not, from working in the penitentiary system. Uh, you can work, You can go into there, flexed out on somebody, with an authority kind of complex, or you can kind of go, hey man, you know, let's talk this out. Let's keep the sergeants off our back and the captains off their backs, and we're all going to have a good night. And you kind of endear yourself to people by coming in there, kind of humble and and friendly. You know, also, I probably could have been a good car salesman, but here we are. But, uh, yeah, Richard, uh, much like you guys, you know, you don't um, you don't really push it with a hard agenda. Um, Sometimes it's hard for me to navigate, especially if I'm not aware of it before the interview. And y'all just let it kind of grow naturally. And for me, that's the best way to do an interview anyway. Okay. um, Yeah. Yeah. You 
you know, just talking with you, it's, you know, just like one of those, it, it, it usually is an organic conversation. So as, you know, you start off with, uh, in, in your new book, um, you know, there's, you know, multiple layers of buildings on this uh, property. But it, it, as we get started uh, analyzing, uh, you know, the variety of uh, paranormal activity associated with the building, uh, let's go back to yeah, the the – you know, the purchase of the property, you know, the first building on the site, you know, you know the different ownership, uh, with St. Vincent Academy, and obviously there's, you know, some kind of church-related uh, 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 foundations there. Uh, so, uh, you know, Steve, can, can you tell us a little bit about the property and, you know, you get a crossroads in the area, the, like, Sister Church St. Anne's uh, down the street. Sure. Uh, so let's just have a general view of where you set set this uh, book. Right. Well, what you have to understand is <clears throat> the, Saint, the the hauntings of the St. Vincent Academy really encompasses all the like you said uh, a myriad of different buildings. And it, which actually kind of extend throughout the, the town of Morganfield and, and a little bit beyond. Uh, this is in Union County, Kentucky. That is just a little north of where I am in Caldwell, and it's a very woodsy area, and it was actually established in the town of uh, Morganfield in 1812. And this was a very small, obviously, you know, farm-based thing. I think it may have been maybe 3,000 people, and uh, you know, and it really hasn't grown a whole lot since. Uh, now, the academy was first started – it actually was formed in Morganfield around 18 – I think about 1820. There was a group of nuns, uh, the Sisters of Charity of, of Nazareth, that oversaw the school, and, and they traveled like probably 150, 175 miles to set this up. And you know, slowly you know, they became sort of the linchpin for the, for the, in, in the building blocks for the community because – that's just sort of one of those things you do, you know. Uh, especially the early church, they would go out and set up churches and, and different sort of ways, you know, for the children to have ways of being educated and, and learn trades and things like that. And that's kind of what happened, you know. They they started out, like I said, again with the academy, and of course there was, you know, St. Anne's, you know, which uh, was a, a good sized church in, in the loca in the uh, in the locale, and not to mention later the Higgins Learning Center, which was. I think established in the late 60s or early 70s. I'm sorry, um, and that was, and it's that incarnation. And that incarnation was more for special needs teens and adults. Before that, it had been everything from a kind of a home for way, wayward mothers, you know, uh, teen moms, and even housed children that were not wanted. You know, back in the old days, mm-hmm. uh, the names and stuff like that. Like in Louisville, Kentucky, I think they had like the, the home for the unwanted and feeble-minded or something like that. It was, it was just – it was it was the way it was said was in the, in the times. Obviously, we've changed since then, but it was just one of those things. It was it was an act of charity, and 
and that's where it kind of started, you know, and, you know, there was a lot of different, like you said, a lot of homesteads, a lot of pig farmers and horse farmers and cattlemen and dairy farmers and all that. And slowly the community grew up around the church, just like a lot of small places. The church is the linchpin of it all, and it always stayed a steady influence and sort of a beacon of hope for the for the people in the community. It's just interesting how a noble idea is somehow it got connected with all these different uh hauntings like the cryptids in the area you know we'll, you know, we'll get to that it, sure. it, it, it's um yeah or, or any the, the building still standing you know absolutely uh okay. i know saint I know St. Anne's is still there. Um, this now this is this has been since eight months ago. So God forbid if something happened, I don't want to get emails and people being mad. As far as I know, it's still there. The Higgins Learning Center, which is the place that we actually got to investigate, which we included a chapter in the book, mm-hmm. uh, it was converted into a auto shop. And uh, I won't say the owner's names. I spoke to him a little bit privately and told him we investigated it before and talked a little bit that I was planning on trying to write something about it. They didn't want their names mentioned. But they did say kind of off record that you know, they were still having activity, especially when they were doing a renovation. Uh, the wife wouldn't go there at night because of seeing shadows, which they can touch on you know, some stories about the nun here in a little bit. But That was my you know. next question, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and the thing is too, what you got to understand is even before you know, European settlers came here, most native peoples – Used Kentucky, especially in parts of Western Kentucky, as hunting grounds. They didn't. They didn't stay here a lot. And as I understand, they considered it kind of uh, the spirits, the spirits' land. And it was okay to come and hunt and go across, but you didn't really stay here for a really long time. That's why you have so many, you know, cultures out west and up north, and because they had everybody come through here. You know, the Cree and you know from Canada and all that. So, but it was sort of a enchanted land, but. Enchanted doesn't always mean that it's magical. It also means it could be hazardous. You know, if you look back in ancient cultures with fairies and stuff, they weren't always Tinkerbell. They were also mischievous and might steal your children and do all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. So they gave it a wide berth. They respected it. They used it, but they usually stayed out. So, but as again, white settlers come in, that's when it seems like they would stir up certain situations or draw the attention of supposed spirits or Entities in the area. Okay, so, and you just mentioned the example of some some of the shadow people that have been reported, and that that topic does feature into you know, the Black Nun case. So uh, let's. You know, uh, take a look at that case study and see how uh, that fits into the haunting, uh, being one of the hauntings of the St. Vincent Academy. So, uh, what right. happened there? Sure. Well, <clears throat> again, back in the day, um, a lot of times these uh, these places were set up by nuns. 
they would generally have a a priest or somebody who was an overseer or a bishop or somebody that would come and make sure, you know, kind of bean counters, you know, you've got to have them to make sure, you know, the proceeds are going to what they're supposed to, that they're following religious doctrine and that um, they have what they need. You know, I mean, there's there were times back then, obviously, it's not like you just call FedEx and you get a, a shipment. You know, uh, winter times was really hard and arduous. And a lot of times these nuns really were on their own. You know, I mean, they it's not like they had a lot of guys there to split firewood mm-hmm. for them, and you're caring, trying to care for these people. And um, it's a self-sufficient community. Well, right. I mean, it was yeah, it was kind of its own little homesteads in a way, but it, but with a religious slant on it. And uh, this was doubly true during like times of fighting, like the Civil War, obviously, which ramp, you know ravaged this area, made it even worse. So, and you know, for the most part, you know, people still were kind of going well. Let's try not to hit churches. Let's not try to hit this net, unless they thought you were harboring the other side, and then all bets are off. But as of the black nun, uh, the story that I got from – I'll make sure I get her name right. I don't want to say her actual name because I always change names for their protection. Tanya, I believe, is what I put in the book, and she was saying that there had been upper rooms that had like the old co-oil-type heaters. And so anyway, this nun was trying to – Refill this in the middle of the night because it went off. It went out. They were doing a whole lot of stuff trying to. Uh, I don't know if they were trying to get snow off the roof or something so it didn't fall in. They, were, they and they just didn't do it during the day. Well, during the night it went off, and it was bitter, bitterly cold. So instead of waiting, you know, an hour or something like that to let it cool down sufficiently, and I'm sure you've always heard, don't pour gas in a hot generator because it could flash on you and all that. Well, basically, unfortunately, this is what happened, and. Some of the uh, coal oil got on the bottom of the of her 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 outfit, you know, you know the nun type outfit. Abbott. Abbott, thank you. Uh, so anyway, it got on the lower part of it. So anyway, and it caught it caught on fire, right? So and so she kind of jumps back. She spills more on the floor. What's in the thing tips over, burns her badly, um, very badly, and she ends up dying from the. From the uh, injuries. Well, thank God they were able to put the fire out and uh, not have any more fatalities. But once they started really doing changes to the facility, updating it, adding new heat ducts and whatnot, they started seeing a shadow of a nun. And I'm not talking like, um, oh, like whatever that movie was, you know, has like like a white face, vampiric looking. It's not wasn't a demon, but it was. Just an outline, like a shadowy, smudgy-looking figure of a of a shadow of a nun, a shadow nun, if you want to. Anyway, um, but the problem was this: you know, anytime somebody would kind of notice it was there, get close, it would take off very quickly. Almost seemed like it was hovering, shoot down the stairs from the upper floors, and disappear into the hallways. Well, that in itself is pretty freaky. But um, a time or two, some people chased after it. For I guess they thought maybe somebody had broke in, maybe somebody was in the bottom floor when it come down, and they just thought it was somebody into the building, you know, without permission. So they chase after it, thinking it's an intruder. Well, they end up not catching them, but within six months, they either have a very strange accident, or they become down, come down sick with something and die within six months. So therein started the curse of the nun story. And I was actually explicitly told, I need to talk to you guys. I said, you're going to think I'm clowning with you, but 
if you see a figure come down these steps, do not engage it. Do not chase after it. So if you want to take a picture of it, that's fine. You want to say, you know, ask a question. She says, but I doubt you'll be saying anything because it's going to shock you. They say, but do not chase it because we have had a couple of fatalities that, you know, it's not said publicly, but we feel was linked to this entity, which I never quite understood because the nun was there to help. So I'm not sure how that how that was. Again, it's a story. Again, it's a reported incident, and I wrote it down as such. But luckily, we didn't see that. Now we did uh, we did capture images of what looked like people, specifically a little boy named Ryan peering out from under medical carts. Because back in by this time, this was a mm-hmm. adult facility, and they would take med carts around and give them their medications and whatever. And we were having problems with uh, with our taking our photos. We were getting areas that were completely lit up, but you would see us just like a swipe of shadow going across. It almost it was just the darndest thing. And then we would have like you know like the magnetic metal doors that have the magnetic locks at the top. Mm-hmm. You open them, they stay. Right. Well, they would open, they would slam, ease back, click, and slam again. There's no wind. All the doors and windows are closed. There's only us in the building. We checked it for there's no people, there's no cats, there's no there's nothing. We looked. We checked the doors out, looked for wiring, looked for any kind of tampering. There was nothing there. Well, that plus the imagery of a little of a little boy in the hallway, plus we also got EVPs of a little kid saying, "I want to go home." Um, that we had the sound of children sound like they're skipping up the hall, you know, like a kid's sort of hopscotching. Mm-hmm. We had that. Uh, we had, you know, voices of someone talking about. The office, because we were trying to figure out. There was one room that was a little bit nicer. You know, you can usually tell when like there's the commons area, and then like say maybe the the dean or the proctor or Hoover's kind of running it. Usually the office is a little bit nicer. Maybe it's my, my, not mahogany, but the wood the wooden side of it's nicer. You know, nice desk. And I remember I remember speaking to Tanya, and I was like, I wonder whose this was, because a lot of the rooms had stickers and different little, you know, things like a, like a kid or a special needs person may do. You know, put stickers on the wall or whatever. But it was nice, and I was like, well, whose who's area was this? And we had an EVP, which I really need to get you, and it sounded like somebody – I don't know if it was the person speaking for themselves or whoever, but it almost had a Irish bro to their voice, and I'll do the best I can. And I said, well, who's who lived here? Whose area was this? And it said, it's the Fodder's building. And um, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it shocked me because we didn't hear it at the time. And then when we heard it, and I was like, "Oh my God, wait a minute, play that back." So, you know, I was like, "Man, I got—I mean, I'm actually got goosebumps talking about it because I, it was so strange because you could feel a presence." And I'm not one of these—I, you know, I'm sensing the spirit. You know, I'm not that guy, but it's definitely one of those quirky things. It was very palatable, and it was so strange to have a physical interaction, which anyone can say something touched me. I think I saw something. I feel I got goosebumps. That's that could be the that could be the situation, but when you do have EVPs, temperature drops, which we did, shadow things going around, all these weird um, movements and different pictures of, of kids hiding in the hallways, and it was super weird, you know. And that's why we included it. That actually is what spurred me to decide to write about it because of our experiences. And then researching more, that's when I learned about. The cryptids. That's when I learned about uh, Slack Farm and the, the, the desolation and, and, and pillaging of this ancient 
Mesopotamian mound cultures, um, basically funeral mounds. And then it actually went to the point where it changed the way we treat Native American remains now. I mean, it was a, it was a benchmark, you know, D.C. life-changing event. So once I seen all that and I started hearing the different little folk tales and just the weird, the really strange stuff, you know, like we were talking about the uh, the priest that was missing a face and, and the, mm-hmm. the sooty, seemingly demonic creature that was like quoting Latin and things like that in uh, in this one one old uh, one of the old buildings. I was like, geez, I've got to write about this. How, you know, it amazed me no one else had. But a lot of times, like the penitentiary, just like Western Lunatic Asylum, which is Western State now, it's it's very um, they keep it very close to their chest. A because they don't want people making fun of them. Nobody wants to look like a kook, and you know it's sort of like dirty laundry. You know, you just don't air it. But again, I did my best to represent it in not a mocking way or a sensationalist kind of fashion you know i tried to go about it as respectfully as i could and hopefully that hopefully that was conveyed in the in my writing no there's you know like you said at the beginning of the show you know, you listen to the eyewitnesses accounts and you know, pretty much just <clears throat> stuck to the facts of uh what was uh conveyed to you right well i mean it's just straight uh reporting right i mean well i mean of course i mean you, if they say it's a sooty figure, you know, I have to go. Okay, are we talking about like a waxy, oily type residue? Does it did mm-hmm. it leave tracks? Did it have a smell? You know, I really had to kind of dig into it to get more details because I want to do that. You know, I'm I'm not Hemingway, but you know, I I want you to know what the pear tastes like, the texture of it, you know, all that stuff, the the lingering nuances and notes of, of flavor on it. You know, I I know it sounds very high minded, but I want it to be as immersive. As immersive as, as immersive as I can possibly get it, if I can say it properly. Um, just I think that's what makes the story. And for me, the storytelling is what it's about. Because again, like we've talked before, you know, like you're 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 a writer and an author, and I'm like, I'm I'm a storyteller, and I'm I'm a I'm a collector of stories. And um, if it if it comes through in the writing, great. You know, I'm 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 happy, and you know, I did my best. But um. My main thing is that the story has heart. It's as close to factual as possible, and it's entertaining. You know, because it's not entertaining. Who wants to read it? Yeah, and it, 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 with the uh, Black Nun case, yeah, okay, you have an accident, you know, just something very unfortunate that uh, happened, and the. The nun died from uh, her injuries, and th- then you have you know, later on. Uh, 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 during one of the investigations, would uh, someone took a photo, and when uh, when the photo was developed, there's like a little child. Uh, a child's face behind like a, a medical chart or uh, there's like a, one of those uh, like uh, a push along like a yeah like you would see in um, I'm trying to think if, if you've ever been anywhere where the like say even at a preschool I mean it's all it's all industrial type of stuff you know a, yeah yeah, yeah. Kind of a, 
a table with kind of like a lip around it so whatever you're pushing doesn't roll off as you're rolling. And they would have medicine or they would have, you know, whatever they want on it. If it's, you know, bringing books yeah. around, that way it doesn't roll off. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that was it, it was just an interesting juxtaposition from having a. Uh, uh, a, a story of an accidental uh, death versus the, uh, the, you know the shocking revelation of a, a, a ghostly child's face appearing behind uh, something. Yeah. I, you know, you would. You know, that's what's uh, intriguing about. Uh, you know, you know, like the St. Vincent, you know, your books at St. Vincent's Academy, where it, it, the, the it, it's associated with St. Vincent de Paul. You know, what he was like was 17th century uh, right. church figure, and you know, he he was like the uh, 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 patron of the Sisters of Charity. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you you kind of think that. Okay, as the uh, 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 burned nun is uh, you know winding down her, her life from the uh, accidents, that that she would be uh, more apt to just realize, I, okay, I just time for me to go to heaven, you know, for my good deeds and you know that that kind of thing. Uh, that you know, she's there, stays there. I don't know if it's the it, just uh, horrible conditions under which she died. But then you get the little kid there, like you know, it, it, it's difficult to explain why you know, the child would, would still be there at uh, you know, it was he. Uh, abused at, at, at the school. Do we even know? Like, what, what? What's the residue of the child being in the photograph? Right. At what, like three o'clock in the morning. What? What facilitated that? Yes. That the what you call it the either the residue of the of the spirit of the child or kind of locked the kid into what sort of condition or what what may have. Uh, Locked him in. As far as I know, I, I never heard anything in regards of abuse. I never heard, you know, obviously, um, you know, I'm, again, I'm very respectful, you know, because first thing people, you know, that who aren't Catholic here is like, oh, well, I guess one of the priests got him or something. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. I heard nothing like that. I only heard positive Can I give things an about uh, laying on me. Um, very often when, when spirits are young, children, um, they will return or cling to what they've known as home. It's very likely that this child had been there for a very long time, and mm-hmm. and that this was the only home that that he knew. Right. Well, and okay. if you even talk to, uh, well, if you talk to people working ho- in hospices and things, a lot of times, you know, the person may be ninety years old, but who's going to come for them? Their mom or their dad? Or they can go, oh, I, I see that field I played in when I was five. That's where I'm going now. You know, we uh, we're not that different from. Uh, from fish, we kind of go back where, where we respond, and we go back to what's comfortable and what's those purest times. And you know, when I had spoke to the to the lady that allowed us to go through and investigate it, we were talking about it because at first I didn't 
I knew nothing about the photo. I mean, we took a photo of it, and it was dim. You know, it was kind of dark. The hallway was was light was well lit, or well lit as, as it could be, and um, but it was very strange. And then we took more photos of the of the same hallway, and it was clear. And this was shortly after the uh, slamming of doors and whatnot. And it wasn't until later that I was playing with the, with the picture and trying to bring up the resolution because I kept. I was like, I don't know what would have caused this, you know. And I was thinking, well, maybe if something reflected off something real bright, close, and it would over maybe oversaturated the picture and did something weird. And I was like, well, it's not that. And so I just played with it, and for some reason, something kept drawing to me that little medical cart, and I, was, I kept zooming in and zooming in and cleaning it and zooming it and cleaning it. And I was like, that looks like eyes. That looks like a like the outline of a kid, some sort of little kid's face. And when I spoke to uh, Tanya later after that, I said, look at this. Tell me if you see something here. And messaged me back, and they're like, oh, my God. I said, which which hall is this? And and I told them um, which hall it was. And I said, this is where I was hearing the little boy. And she said, you know, there was a little kid, a little boy we had here named Ryan. And he had, he had passed. And he loved to play hide-and-go-seek under the little medical cart, slide over. The kids would climb under where they're pushing the was it the where you would serve the food to the wherever and they has like a little mm-hmm. curtain over it like that and it was the funny he he loved it he just that was his funnest thing to do and maybe there's an element of that boy and it's not that it's necessarily that he's trapped in this purgatory or whatever but there's a little element of that joy left there and he got me you know he spooked me you know and so I'm like, hey, where'd he go, Ryan? You know, and and I have to look at it like that because <clears throat> whenever you deal with kid, uh, children's spirits, or what appear to be children's spirits, it really bothers me. Uh, uh, being a, a father of, of uh, two children that, that that had that had died due to medical issues, um, that really that really gets me, you know, where I live. And um, there was another story, as I'd mentioned, about the galloping down the hallway. This was a situation. We had voice recorders put in different locations in the hallway um, because it's sort of a T, T-shaped hallway, and then the main foyer, which is a commons area. And then at the end of it was the nurse's area and the administration rooms and, and offices. Well, we had a few team members who, who smoked, and they said, well, look, can we go outside for a minute? You know, whatever. I, don't, I never allow smoking inside or anywhere. I'm taking photographs. Uh, I, you know, I prefer not to – I just – if there's even a chance that you may be getting that on your photos, you have to question every photo you get. So we went outside. Uh, the lady secured the door. We come in one door and out one door. It's the same door, and we secured it. We stepped probably about 25 feet away from the building, and uh, they were smoking along a tree line, and we were just kind of sitting there and letting them get done. We go back in there, and you know, again, a lot of times you don't catch it on the investigation. You catch it in the uh, review so I'm sitting at home, and I'm listening to this, and you start hearing just off in the distance. I heard like a clop-clop, almost like someone was in flip-flops or barefoot. It was kind of a slap, slap, slap. And I was like, well, maybe something fell off uh, a pushboard. Maybe something slid over, fell off. You know, who knows? But we were all outside, and then it happened again, clop-clop, clop-clop, slap, slap, clop-clop. And um, it got really close, and it actually come up. To where the recorder was, stopped for a moment, and then continued on in that kind of hopscotch kind of, you know, like almost like you're riding a broom or a, or a mop, you know, like it's a pony, 
like kids did in the old days. Well, again, I found this a few days later and recontacted the lady and said, do me a favor. Listen to this. And I said, no, you, there's nobody inside, right? There's no – nothing. There's no air kicking on or nothing, no. And I said, you can literally hear it coming closer. It's kind of a Doppler effect where it's like click, 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 click and it fades. And she explained that there was a girl there who also had died, and uh, she loved to gallop around like a little pony. She, she loved it. It was just, her, just, just how, what she did. It was a fun time for her, and she, uh, she died a little bit older. She was there longer, and that was probably one of the loudest EVPs we got, which I guess the longer you're there, maybe the more, more whatever of your personal frequency is left. I don't know, but that was two very strong, compelling things that we got from there. And it was actually one of the more haunted areas that we located because, you know, you go to investigate a place. Sometimes you go there, you go, oh, this is like kind of a cool little place, neat little graveyard. Well, maybe this was an old uh, Civil War area or, you know, it's, it's not always real ghoulish or somebody's home that's having paranormal activity. But because I really didn't know what we were going to get. I just heard a lot of stories that people said they heard and felt and seen things. But – when you're there and you actually have it happen yourself, that's when it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe maybe they're factual about this, you know. Not that, not that I'm saying people lie, but people's minds play tricks on them. And when you're having, you know, quantifiable experiences that you can go here, this is what I got. This is the, the audio. This is the video. This is the temperature drops. This is, you know, it's it's hard to kind of poo-poo that off. So, yeah. And Steve, you know, uh, a few minutes ago, Barbara mentioned that, uh, you know, maybe the best explanation for that child uh, showing up behind the uh, medical carts uh, was, you know, that was what he saw was his home. Uh, uh, That's. Very reasonable explanation, uh, but you, know, you also have another uh, you know, uh, interesting uh, child story uh, where he uh, was, um, you know, like a stowaway in the car, and there was the uh, uh, car wreck uh, by the bridge. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I, I was just kind of trying to link the two, and then I, I had, had a little, uh, you know, a comment at, at the end, you know, just kind of creating a little contrast of different stories that you uh, present in book. Right. Well, and seeing that's the thing too. Um, with each book, I try to do something a little different. Obviously, you know, the hauntings of the Kentucky State Penitentiary touched on what – and a lot of people – I mean some people were more sensitive to it, but a lot of times people go, well, these are convicts, these are murderers, these are rapists, child killers, whatever. Of course they're going to be haunting that place. I'm glad to hear it. You know, that's, that's how a lot of people were, especially you know, in, in a more kind of conservative area. That's just how it is. Um, you know, it's like they're stuck in the prison. Good. What's the problem? You know, that's a very – I don't know, you know, kind of stoic way to be about it, but that's how some people are. Well, then the the uh, hauntings of the Western Lunatic Asylum—that's a little different, you know. These people were 
in their not necessarily by their own choice or by their own control. You know, sometimes now don't get me wrong, there were some people in there that had committed crimes and did heinous stuff, but they were deemed not in their right mind and not competent. And then you also had also you did have some uh, young children who would end up there from the from the local poorhouse, which was on the same property, but just a different building. So that had a different element of going, oh, well, these people are sort of marginalized. It's a different class of haunting. Well, and then here comes book three, the, the Hauntings of the St. Vincent Academy, even more so you know, uh, because it ties in with a lot of religious elements and uh, imagery and, and, and things like that. So – and it also, again, had, had an investigation on, on one of the sites. So I was trying to change it up and add little elements, and again, this had that story. We had the story that was talking about the – there was a rivers that come together. I believe it's the Wabash Rivers, and – this is where, like, we had had the riverboat captain who had lived there, and his he had a bride, and she died, and he would stay in her mausoleum and whatnot, and and she was in a glass top coffin because he couldn't bear to be rid, you know, to be rid of her, and and I'm sure there's probably some stories out there, something like that, you know. Uh, sometimes you're going to have that kind of story, like, well, somebody gave somebody a ride. They take them to the house. They look back. They're gone, but their sweater's there. They take the sweater to the door. Oh, that was my daughter's. You know, she died five years ago on that road. That kind of almost like urban legends, and and so I want people to know that there are things that tie in with that type of thing. You know, like people getting stalled out on a on a train track and somebody getting pushed across and it hits them. And then like we have Gravity Hill in Princeton uh, here in my town, and they talk about you know if you park at a certain spot, unseen hands will push you up the hill. I've done it. Um, I don't know if it's a play of uh, kind of an optical illusion, but definitely I've had that done, and it's it's pretty freaky. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's uh, yeah, there's different little elements like that in there. But what what was the comment you were going to put on that? Oh, when when the there was the car wreck, and you know the you know, the child died, and. Uh, uh, You know, the ghost appeared in the area, and and even uh, a few years later when the uh, bridge was torn down, uh, the ghost uh, of the child is still uh, appearing, and despite – yeah, walk literally walking where the where the bridge was in the time of its yeah. death. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know, despite there being changes in the environment, um, yeah, you know, that's another case where you know contrasting with you know, uh, Barbara's explanation of, of of the earlier child, this one just seems like uh, stuck in a cycle. In the same area, despite uh, the uh, environmental uh, changes and what, and like maybe a new bridge was built or you know the old one was torn down that was associated with his death. Uh, it, it was just an interesting view of how uh, children appear as ghosts. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I'll make I'll make one uh, similar example and and. Interject my personal feelings on it. Um, There was – I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was an abbey. It was, I believe it was in England or Ireland, 
And there had been a staircase, a spiral staircase that was removed when they redid this uh, this church or abbey or whatever. And you could still see these hooded monks going up in a circle on what appeared to be a phantom staircase. You know, um, mm. you know, if you're a fan of uh, sci-fi as I am, you know, um, you I don't really look at time as what we think of as time. I think it's all kind of all together, smashed together in different layers and depending on what frequency you are, I think you are at different frequencies as a child, as you are as an adult, as you are as an old person, as you are as a spirit. And you gain certain things, you let go of certain things, and um, that's just the nature of uh, time and space and spirit. I think it's all all these three things are together. That's That's my personal thing. But I think more often than not, a lot of times in the stories that I do, you know, it's it's not even always so much the place that's necessarily haunted. A lot of times people are haunted too. And they bring their own um their own conditions and their own sort of thing. I I've heard people talk about we were mentioning purgatory. And mm-hmm. again, I'm 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 not Catholic by faith. I'm uh, I'm probably more of an agnostic. But I've heard people talk about having near death experiences and they were uh, they kind of had a life review and said, "Look, you you choose where you want to go. If you want to go to heaven, you want to go to hell. Uh, you want to stay here, whatever." And uh, either they would choose to go to hell or they would choose to stay in purgatory because they didn't feel they were necessarily evil enough to to go to hell, but definitely wasn't you know angelic and, and benevolent enough to go to heaven. So they kind of they made their own conditions. You know, it's that old thing of like in school, where you grade your own papers and we, we go on. Uh, you know, go and trust on this. So it's it's kind of like that. You know, okay. so you know that's just my opinion. Okay. All right. And, and Steve, you, you, um, and we come back to. Uh, 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 maybe we'll just stick with it now, since you just mentioned uh, the purgatory. You know, you know, the Catholic Church had. Has uh, like the concept of purgatory. Uh, and Dante wrote, uh, you know, the second of the uh, Divine Comedy based on purgatory. Uh, but um, you know, the Protestants say, you know, there, you know, that, you know, there really isn't a, a biblical foundation for it. It's either, you know, he- heaven or hell. It's, it's either one or the other. It's, there's no a middle ground. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, you know, with these you know, child ghosts or e- even the uh, black nun, it it just it, it does kind of seem like a purgatory. That yeah, they 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 aren't. They're, they're kind of like in this waiting room to go somewhere. Well, I mean. To jump somewhat from from the uh, Catholic side of it, but also still touches on uh, the, uh, the, the the idea of contrition and, and sort of uh, um, making dues for your for your past sins and stuff. If you look at like Skinwalker Ranch, you know, uh, just like down at the Slack Farm area, which I kind of call that our, you know, my West Kentucky Skinwalker Ranch, because you know they report seeing dogmen and things like that and Bigfoot type creatures. Around where the, as we'd mentioned, the Native American graves were desecrated, and even after all that happened, it seemed like it picked up having these creatures around there. Which maybe they're there as protectors, maybe they're—I don't know—but you know, some of that could be 
connected with the people that lived there. Maybe, maybe for whatever reason they felt bound to the land or felt bound to the bodies or bound to the that particular mound. Which again, you look at it in regards of uh, like metaphysics. You know, you have converging rivers there and in different things. I would be curious to learn if there's ley lines there. You know, if That's it touches on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, so. uh, con- the confluences were. Um, Considered to be uh, uh, places uh, like a PowerPoint, uh, you know, places of spiritual energy. Right. Well, I mean, if you even go further back, and again, I'm, I'm kind of drifting from it, but I'm trying to make a point. If you get into uh, certain beliefs about witches, like old school cauldron witches, and even vampires, you know, some said that they, they could not move across you know, moving water, running water. Right. And um, so it, it kind of goes back further, though, because of one of the things in a lot of religions is baptism. And so water is all considered part of that cleansing and that sort of uh, channeling of an energy. You know, I mean, you talk about people who douse, I douse uh, when we go hunt. So our, our I guess, investigate. I don't hunt ghosts. I don't have any heads on my wall. But, you know, there's an energy. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, there's an energy that's connected with everything. I'm not an animist. You know, I'm not in the Native American belief that necessarily everything has a soul, but I think everything has an energy signature. Everything has a, definitely has a, radio, a radiation signature. Um, you know, I've seen back in the day, especially in the 70s, like on In Search of, you'd see them do pictures of plants. One's talked to very positively, one's kind of berated and talked down to or ignored, and its energy signals are totally different. And they'll take a section of the plant. One is pretty healthy. The other one's scattered and just broken down. So I do think all that ties in together. I'm, I say I'm not a metaphysical guy, but the further I get in my life, the more I kind of am taking on certain elements of that just because you can't immerse yourself in this type of study and not – start finding some commonalities and some universal truths. And I go a lot on my gut. Uh, that's just from being in you know, prison guard and being in law enforcement. You learn to trust mm-hmm. your gut. And, you know, if it feels right and it, ser- it serves uh, to uh, get the job done and it, it's not hurting anybody and it's your personal truth, I say go for it. Okay. Yes, and you're just giving us a little of your – own personal philosophy. Uh, Does being uh, growing up uh, Southern Baptist influence you know working with a uh, Catholic institution or how did some of the other uh, eyewitnesses and the backgrounds that you uh, uh, get uh, present about them, like the Southern Goth Girl. Uh, you know, how do all these different backgrounds uh, uh, affect working at a uh, on a religious? Uh, property. Well, wow, man, man, that's a that's a question. Well, let me say this: I grew up. Uh, yes, this is a very 
Baptist, Southern Baptist especially, which is a strange kind of mixture. You kind of had the Protestant Reformation, and then it touches off into a little bit of the holiness uh, thing, which a lot of people here kind of believe in. The rapture and whatnot, that's fine, whatever. Um, but that was actually a relatively new belief of uh, people just you know, driving down the street in their car and jump, jump up into the sky and whatnot. Um, but you know, um, as a child, like I said, I went to Baptist churches. I went to Holiness churches. I, uh, I, had, I had friends who were Catholic. Uh, I, I never could really do all the stations and all that. I just I was like, man, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but and then, you know, as a young man, uh, I'd even studied a little uh, Judaism. So you know, I wanted to have an idea because I, I was searching for something beyond us. You know, that's that's kind of what it was. Um, and not to say that researching is, is my religion, but it's definitely something that I've been able to find what I feel are some truths. So it's, again, if, if it ain't you know if it serves you and it's, it's it ain't broken, don't fix it, right? So, but yeah. as of uh, but your as of how did, you, you yeah. know, I was just going to say you know your characters also seem to be searching too. I guess or, you're or, right. Or at, yeah. at least some of them are like the, the Southern Goth girl. Right. Well, there's a thing about – well, how do I say it? Sometimes – this is going to sound so sitcom but it's sometimes it's true. It's like that thing, you know, like you're looking for love, and in the minute that you stop searching, it finds you. Or you're – you know what I'm saying? You're trying to do a crossword puzzle. Let's do something a little bit less grandiose. You're doing a crossword puzzle, and all the letters are just running together. You, you take a break from it. You come back. Boom, and then you can find what you're looking for or, or whatever. Word searches. Sometimes you have to open your mind up, and I think part of that is sort of like if you talk to anybody, they do automatic writing. Uh, I'll do that a lot with my writing. I'm not saying I'm you know, a ghost, help me write my book, but I'll kind of clear my mind, and I'll look at a screen. Or if I do, I do chalk, uh, chalk art and also some painting, and I'll sit there, and I'll just kind of, kind of go in a little circle. I'm not walking around in a circle, but my hand kind of going a little bit of a circle above it, and I'm like, what, what am I supposed to draw today? In whatever comes to me, I draw it. So does that say I'm connected with a um, spirit guide or Uncle Wally or the Easter Bunny? I don't know. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely not going – I'm not hearing anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm not hearing voice, but you kind of get a feel for what the paper wants. I know that sounds really weird. It's almost like someone who cars a log or someone who uh, takes driftwood and makes art out of it and says, this feels like a snake. Okay, this feels like a squirrel. This was – and they make it because th- there's properties in that wood and maybe knots and shapes that endear it to looking like that. So they go with that. That's what I do. Um, but I do think – I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, you write what you know, and most people like, well, we were talking about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Love his work, but he, he was definitely xenophobic, uh, and that was one of those things of the time, and uh, did not trust foreigners. It was – especially during the time, well, you know, stuff like it happens now, but – it was a thing where um, personal ideas and prejudices, which aren't, prejudices aren't, aren't always bad. Uh, it's just like what you've known, what you've been taught, and that's just part of you. You're not making a conscious attempt to necessarily be one way or the other, but that's just how, you were, how you're charged up. You can work against that, and you should you know, if it's something negative. But all I'm saying is, yes, everyone would bring something like that in that searching capacity. Because I don't think you do research if – if you think you got all the answers, and if, and if you do, why are you doing it? 
Yeah, and, and you have you know the one sample of you know, the uh, girl was in what uh, like they were fleeing the, the property, and or there's like the flying shadow person cryptid type thing after, and you know she she said you know the Lord's prayer, and yeah, uh, I don't think she. She, she didn't seem to be like super religious, but yeah, she was she kind of had to resort to that to well, uh, <laughs> hopefully get yeah. the thing to stop chasing her. And, right. and well, it, it, yeah, there's it, yeah, kind of a searching thing, but it, right. like the paranormal changed her. Absolutely, it, it, it was an interesting story. Well, a lot of these were paradigm shifts for these people. These were right. benchmark moments, and the, the reason I included this again. I'm not particularly religious. I'm not anti-religious. It's just, you know, I'm I'm not a preacher. I don't I don't do I don't do a, uh, do sermons, and I don't have, do really like Sunday morning church talks. There's a bunch of that. That's just not what I do. Sometimes it feels like church if we're all talking about, you know, we're mentioning God here. We have what three people that constitutes a church. So I guess we're having church service today, huh? But it's a thing where um, when I was a small kid, I saw a shadow figure, and I may have told you this. Uh, in in my uh, room, I had a friend spending the night. And um, well, I forgot what we watched, something like Hellraiser or something. And I kept picking at him about it and, and making kind of spooky voices and stuff. I could always do voices. And it was, uh, again, in southern and uh, western Kentucky. And at the time, we were in, living in county. The city hadn't grown big enough to be considered in county yet. We still had a gravel road. And there was no lights. I mean, lights go out. It's, it's night, man. It's dark. And so um, it was fairly dark anyway. And the room started getting kind of cool. It's a summer night, and it was getting really chilly. And my friend was like, hey, did uh, do you feel – I said, yeah, are you cold? And I said, yeah, I'm cold, and we had blankets. And, uh, and something drew our attention to, to my doorway. Uh, it was an open doorway, and pro- the doorway was probably seven foot tall, and we saw an outline of something. almost looked like a hooded figure. Like think of Andre the Giant. In, in that scene from Princess Bride, which hey, I love that movie. Anyway, and that big, big hulking guy, you know, when he says, I've come for your souls. That was the worst, Andre. But anyway, um, it was a huge hulking guy. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't cute or fuzzy. He was scary. And he was blacker than black because the background was black, but he was inky black and hollow. It was almost like it was a, it was almost like somebody cut a hole in a picture and laid it over. Facing out into a deep hallway, it was it's hard to describe. It, it reflected no light at all, and you could feel almost like the wind was being sucked toward it. Extremely weird. And so my friend, he freaks out. He's trying to go through the wall because we can't. We're not close to our window, which I'd had a fan in the window because it's summer. And, and anyway, it starts. It notices. I feel that it notices that we see it, and it starts to glide into the doorway, into the room. And of course we're both freaking out. Neither one of us was asleep. We were kids, you know. I mean, we weren't drinking, smoking anything. So we see this thing and I, I and I'm like, what am I gonna do? I'm like, I am gonna have to get my mom or something because I'm a kid. Now we had a pool light in the middle of the room. It was an older house. So I kind of stand up, which I'm don't can't believe I did it. I guess I was just so scared I was stupid. And it starts moving quicker toward me. You might want to give it a second. Here comes our train. Well, let's go. It's a nice atmospheric effect. There's like yeah, the it new. Is, ro- 
Oh, it is thundering and it is thundering and lightning here as well. So you've got you're getting the full meal deal with with my sound effects. Hey, uh, Triton. That's cool. That's. I've actually got some ghost stories about that particular particular train track that I'm eventually going to write about uh, about a, an old hobo that used to come to town, um, 60s and 70s, and ended up dying from exposure on the train tracks, and people will still see him walking around with a with like phantom lights, stuff like that, next to tracks, stuff like that. The uh, train conductors that I know, I have some family that work on the trains, and they they've heard stories about his his name was Pegleg Lock. If you look up Pegleg Lock on Google, anybody. You'll actually find a little folk song somebody wrote about him back in the 70s, but and you'll also see that he he died of exposure. And he was a he was a simple guy, but he's a good guy. He did a lot of yard work for people, and he would he would catch the train and go back to wherever he lived. And but sometimes he would start a fire here overnight to keep warm. And then when the fire died down, he'd move it out of the way, lay a piece of cardboard in a blanket, and he'd lay on that warm spot. He would keep it warm overnight. But it was one uh, one night was particularly cold, and uh, he just didn't make it. But that's a, that's a story for another time. Um, but so back to the shadow figure. I jump up, and it's about two or three feet away from the edge of my bed. So I go, for some reason, way back to Jesus Loves Me. This I know four of the Bible tells me so little, you know, that song, like a, mm-hmm. like a preschool song. Uh, I start singing it. It gets fast. I grab the, the little string, pull it, fall to the on the bed, cover our heads up. We're both sitting there shaking, sweating. We're waiting a second. We're for sure it's going to gobble us up to pieces, you know, and um, nothing happens. The room starts to warm back up. The wind, that weird kind of sucking wind stops, and the fan starts acting right again. And throw the cover back, and it's gone. And that was the last night my friend spent the night at my house. I wonder why. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what? I had. I think we'd talked before about. I had a friend. We were camp, we were camping out in our backyard. We would camp in, our, camp in the yard with me, and we had a a little fire going, and then like you know had some bricks set up and had like a small fire pit, and we were watching the moon, and we I, I actually saw something in the sky. Um, it was too big. It was definitely not a cloud because it went like it was going to go across the moon from the right, but it disappeared almost like it did a slight turn to the right and went in straight behind the moon and just kept going further out um me and my friend watched this it was probably 45 seconds to a minute but when it was said and done we looked like we'd lost five minutes i don't know what happened um we never saw anything land but who knows you know again weird stuff things i just had a series of weird stuff uh happen and is it all related you know, is there a reason that I follow metaphysical and paranormal and esoteric subjects? I don't know. Maybe not, but I don't know. Maybe I'll get the answers because, again, I'm searching like all those guys in my books, too. Yeah, and, and you just mentioned the in, in, in your autobiography you just told – yeah, you mentioned there was a uh, cold spot uh, yeah, when Marla Ventura was our guest, I don't know, six weeks ago or so. Mm-hmm. She was uh, 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 discussed uh, the, the Bram Stoker 
uh, chapter that she has in her uh, um, vampires and werewolves and banshees book where you know, there's like uh, one area just like this town had a snowstorm during the summertime or something like that. it was just concentrated in one area and you know, we spoke a little bit about it uh, that uh, cold spot so yeah that seems to be a pattern going back a, a documented uh, phenomenon going back to at least the 1890s um well, I'm sure that, goes, I think, yeah, it know. probably goes back you know, much further. I'm just uh, that was just one that came to mind. But right. it, it, you know what, what what you're explaining seems to be part of a long-standing pattern. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I think you know we were made by the Creator or whoever um, the Draconians or whoever you believe made us. Um, with curiosity, and I, I don't think it's—I don't think it was—I don't think it was a joke. I don't—I can't—I don't believe in a god that would give you a curiosity to learn and to know and, and to ding you for it. Um, I think if we are, are of God, you know, big G, small G, whatever, that we were—you know, what was the term? Uh, I forgot who said it. Endowed with our Creator with certain inalienable rights, right? And one yeah, of those Thomas Jefferson. Are, there it is, and. Uh, I was thinking it was that or Deputy Dog. It was one of the others. <laughs> you remember that same Deputy Dog? No, it never existed. Uh, but um, I could talk about a whole, whole slew of Mandela effects that never happened that I remember. But anyway, um, but no, it was, there's that thing. We are naturally hardwired to go, but why? I mean, look at any three-year-old. You're going to get, but why, all day. You know, that's the nature of it. And I think some things we're ready to hear and some things we're not ready to hear. And, you know, I would like to think, you know, if there is a great beyond when I go across and hopefully be with my, my son and my daughter, um, they'll, they'll teach me some stuff, you know, and I can, I can learn some of that stuff. It, you know, part of me thinks it would be great if I could come back, but then I also think, what if you knew all that and you come back, but you can't prove any of it? Would it, would it make you crazy? Hmm, you know? That's a good point. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know we do you know this internet radio uh, and a- ask all these questions. You know, why? Um, you know, probably because you know we aren't ha- haven't evolved much more. Than beyond three, but uh, yeah, that's for another show. But right. It it it, it is uh, you, you, when you start thinking about the things that you know, uh, the stories that you're presenting. Um, what are what's the explanation? Uh, you know, th- there are patterns that just keep reappearing. Uh, in you know, documented cases, you know, uh, people, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people haven't read you know, the one, like, lost chapter that uh, uh, Bram Stoker uh, wrote. But there, it, 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 it's just that 
pattern that keeps reappearing that you know, you know, a lot of people just say, you know, why is that happening? Why, why are we experiencing this? You know, why do some, I, I've never seen uh, a, a ghost, even though, you know, slept in a room where a uh, crime happened. Uh, you know, there's still, you know, the blood stains on the wall and carpets. And after watching, you know, the monster chiller or horror theater, all uh, e- evening long and going to bed at 10 years old, you know, just kind of prep to see something like that and nothing ever happened. Why didn't I experience that? And someone else uh, does who, uh, uh, you know, was, you know, wasn't anticipating seeing a ghost. I, I, right. Yeah, you know, it, it's just yeah. You know, I, I just wonder why are some people more open than others? You know, why they have the experience? I don't know. I mean, for me, I think we all have our skill set. Um, some people, I just like in any controlled experiment, you 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 have to have a control. You have to have sort of the non. Uh, what do you want to call it? The non indoctrinated, or the other, or what do you call it? The unbaptized. You know, the, they they have not went over to that step because like I said you you can always have curiosity and and wonder wonderment about things but and even after you've seen something if you're going to look at it in a um in a subjective way you have to question everything you've seen but um I think it's necessary you know because you get a room full of you know 100 people and 90 of them you know swear they they see in a bigfoot or they experience that or they levitated or whatever um it's it, it it's not much of a discussion. You gotta you have to have conflict, and I'm not saying infighting, but you know entropy is the only insured thing we have in the universe. I mean, at least that's the way I feel. Um, you constantly have you know waves, you know coming back and crashing the, the you know the edge of a edge of a continent, and it's constantly shaping it. And mountains go up and mountains come down. I know I'm sounding a little hippy dippy, but there it is. But there's a thing of if if you completely jump full headlong into something without being subjective, you're going to lose a respectability if that's what you're going for. But also, you're not you're not going to grow. You know, if, if you're preaching to the uh, to the converted, you know, pardon the pun, you're not going to grow. You have to have somebody to go and well, I don't know. I'm not sure if I believe that. Well, what about this? And then maybe that it's not right. But it, it's discussion. It's you have to have that, or you're not going to. Have growth. That's why, like in the great, great schools of you know the early Greeks and, and Romans and stuff, it was open and you could challenge the teacher and you could ask questions in a respectful way and bring up discourse. And that's something that I'm, I'm, I won't preach. I promise I wasn't going to preach, but it's something that, that I see sometimes slipping in modern paranormal stuff. Sometimes it's all in. Well, of course it's this and that. Well, of course this happened. Of course Roswell happened. Like, yes, of course, you know, the Loch Ness Monster did this. Or, no, this isn't real because we all say it isn't real. Um, I'm sort of that guy that I'm enough of, a, of the, the control like yourself to go, well, wait a minute. This is something that's really hard to quantify. You have to be able to ask questions because if you don't ask questions, it's it's sort of dead in the water. So, you know, I don't know. I think that and then you may very well have an ex- some sort of experience that you may come back and go, wow, I really wish I hadn't had that. 
you know, maybe there's a reason you've not had that, you know, but you've had different types of, uh, you know, experiences with different stuff in regards of uh, mm-hmm. researching and whatnot. So, you know, like, I don't know. If, if I've, I've walked up on and dealt with pretty much full ap- full-bodied apparitions to kind of coin Ghostbusters, um, it wasn't fun. It wasn't cheery. It scared the crap out of me. Uh, and, like, that type of encounter happened once, and I'm not too keen on it happening again because it was a really dark entity. Because a lot of times, uh, hate has a little bit more juice. It manifests better. And I um, only saw it once, and I don't want to see it again. You know, I've had dreams about it, nightmares and stuff. I know that might sound weak, but, you know, um, there's a prize for anything like that. There's, you know, uh, like the rhyme of the ancient mariner. You know, he, he walked away a sadder but wiser man. That's the nature of this, you know, with, with knowledge and things like that. Was it ignorance is bliss? If you can use that, that old adage. But um, you have to balance it, you know. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone has different skill sets. And I think everyone sees things when they're – I don't want to say when they're ready for it or when they need it or when they're open to it. And, you know – that's not maybe that's not the answer you you wanted, but that's the only one I got. <laughs> oh no, I, I, that's fine. I just I, I was you know just after watching all the um, uh, Christopher Lee Hammersmith stuff all all week evening, mm-hmm. and you know damn right, see you know the ghost face appear well, in yeah. the closet or something like that. <laughs> never, well, yeah, yeah, never well, happened. Oh, so, so yeah, you know, if, if the the you know a ghostly image of Ingrid Pitt wants to show up for me, that's not a problem. But uh, the stuff I seen wasn't wasn't too tantalizing. It was pretty pretty dark. But um, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever tried scrying before. Um, you know, studying still a still thing of water, or studying a mirror or whatnot. Um, I do have friends that do a lot of split or like fourth, fifth, sixth generational. Basically, I wouldn't say a cultist, more like a spiritualist, kind of like a, like Dan Aykroyd, his family is. And okay. um, and they gave me different little tips on – because a lot of times before I do anything, I don't consider myself a meditative guy, but I slow down. I get really still, and I prepare myself for what I'm getting ready to go into. I used to do this when I played in music. I used to play in metal bands and rock bands of all things. And as crazy and loud and screamy as that was, you get really quiet before you go outside. You prepare yourself. It's like, um, oh, what was that? Uh, you ever seen the movie Doctor Detroit? I know I make a lot of uh, media references. Dan Aykroyd. That one. Oh gosh, you need to see this. He played this character called Doctor Detroit. Anyway, and he was getting ready to have to go up against some people. And he talks about uh, in the tents, you can hear the uh, the clanging regiment of armor as the as the knights prepare for their their battle. It's like that. It's a rules in thing. Um, I know I, I probably sound nutty saying that, but you center yourself, and something's coming. Something good, you know. You're, you're gonna you open yourself up enough to the positive. You know, I wouldn't really try to go toward the dark. It definitely, you may not want to get. You may not be able to get rid of it. Open yourself up for something positive in time and to come. I believe that. Oh, I'm not. I'm not asking for. It. I'm just saying. Hey, this. Never happened. Yeah, I mean, I think it will. I sincerely think it will. No, it's just, hey, you know, I, I'm so busy with uh, 
everything else. I don't have time to sit there and wait for ghosts to show up. But that that's exactly it. That is exactly it. No, listen to me. Your words of going, I'm so busy, I'm telling you. It's just like if you're walking – the reason people see more things at night, you're standing in a football field in the middle of the day. Short of you setting off a stick of dynamite, you could play with three or four flashlights. No one's going to notice it driving by. <laughs> it's two in the morning. It's pitch black. Your mind is in a different mode. Your, your brain chemistry is different. It's just a fact. It's just how our bodies work. Mm-hmm. You you will see things more readily because in the dark is danger, and our lizard brains react differently. If you can ever slow down, especially at night, and you probably will see some. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, or mark you see right. or mark you see something and you dismiss it or explain it away as something else. That's very possible too. I, 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 maybe I'm just really a. Uh, very boring person, and ghosts just don't want. I I I don't know. I I you know, I'm just just saying. I just never had the experience. Never had. Ne- never saw a UFO. I I, I just. Uh, I I I, I may, maybe we ought to take a couple weeks off, and I don't have to read anything, and I won't be so busy, and maybe I'll, I'll get a visitation. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Well, if you um. I can't remember if I ever asked you. Do you do you draw or do anything like that? Um, paint? Yeah. Anything? Yeah, I do a little bit of painting. I would. This is my suggestion, and you know, this is just what works for me. A lot of times, like when I was writing about like the haunting of the St. Vincent's Academy, I would either have old like um, um, mass music from masses, like the earliest earliest versions I could find, playing like, softly. Gregorian chants, I would have that playing very low behind me as I'm writing. Or a lot of times I listen to – I don't know why this is. I have a draw there, and maybe – I don't know. Maybe it's from a previous life. Who knows? Um, 1920s and 30s music. Uh, for whatever reason, that or chamber music. It, old music. and Or if you have something like that has uh, ambient music that doesn't really have words, doesn't really have a specific rhythm, it seems like for me anyway, frees up my mind and – you know, sometimes some days it's hard to. It is really hard because if you're used to going bang, 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 I have to get this done. I got to get this written. I have to have this ready. I got to go handle this for the kids. We're gonna have the grandkids over. Blah blah blah. It's hard to kind of go. Okay, I'm taking a little me time. Shut myself off and just float in the ether. Um, I know a lot of people talk about the ether. I believe the ether is real. Uh, you know, even scientists are saying there are something between the molecules. And so I don't know. Maybe maybe I am closer to a spiritualist than uh, than not. But I definitely think there's <laughs> something out there, and there's something in us. It's all connected. We're, we aren't different from it. There's no us and them. It's just the collective we. Wow. Now I really do sound like a hippy dippy. But um, <laughs> that just seems it just no, seems no, like a I universal truth that, to me. But then, but then I am a spiritualist. So yeah. No. Yeah. You should try the solfeggio music if you're looking for great music. Awesome. Um, yeah, because, yeah. Send me a link and I'll check it out. Yeah, Solfigio, um deals with frequencies, so it puts your mind in an alpha-theta state so that you are more inclined, adaptable, or linked to that section of yourself that is of a creative nature. Cool stuff. Well, I know that um, my uh, my youngest my youngest kid, uh, whenever he does college work, 
he'll sit and kind of listen to ambient music, which I, I kind of got him into like 80s synth and goth music a little bit. And, um, you know, stuff just that, you know, like a uh, new order and, and sort of synthy pop stuff, but it, it's got enough of kind of that, you know, with the chance, a little bit Gregorian type stuff. And it's got a little bit of that, like you said, kind of hammer film quality to it that actually lets them kind of open their head up and they, they're not following the lyrics as much. Just listen to the beat and the tempo and the, rising and the falling of the musical scale and and again floats with it you know you open yourself up we're we're not really i think we're more or less using our bodies as a, as a tether point in this reality and we're mm-hmm. everywhere i mean we're we are as stuck here as we want to be that's why you talk to a lot of guys you know and i have that are inmates lifetime inmates you know and when i first started there i was like i don't know if you've ever asked this and i don't you know Whatever. And he says, well, I've fixed a murder. He's like, well, I don't really want to talk about my crimes. Said, no, 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 no. How do you not go bonkers? How do you deal with being in here? He says, well, I'm not. He says, I am. I'm not crazy. I know where I'm at. He said, but my mind is everywhere else. You know, I, just, I don't necessarily concentrate that I'm there with my family because that will make me nuts. You know, if they have a son or a daughter on the outside, but I focus on, you know, other pursuits and studying myself trying to make, make myself more a high-minded person. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are consider themselves religious and, and that are incarcerated. And there's a reason for that. We go by nature to try to go to a little bit of a higher vibration, and we don't even know it. You know, like I was told you before, I don't know if this is something that's spiritual or this is something that's that, but my gut tells me to do it. That little inner voice, or not a voice, but that inner prompting that goes, I don't know why, but I did this and it helps. You know, I think we know how to fix ourselves in a lot of things, but we've disconnected from our spiritual side, and hence we've lost that. And, and Steve, since you know, you know, we've gotten a lot of um, Western points of view, um, and you said. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe we've lost the, uh, some aspects of understanding um, you know, ghosts and ghosts of the ancestors or uh, relatives. Um, you know, you've also done some international traveling. Uh, you know, you've been to Thailand. Uh, what are some of the differences in you know, like a, a Asian country versus uh, what we are um, um, experiencing here here in America? Well, and understand, you know, my time in Thailand, and you know, like I was in Japan for a very short time, but mainly in Bangkok. Uh, Thailand, but that's primarily, you know, um, I'm sorry to say Muslim, like uh, um, Buddhist. And um, our our little boy that, who had, had passed was Buddhist. I actually have I have his little Buddha sitting here on the table in front of me. Uh, that's just sort of like a little grounding thing for me. So, um, but yeah, it, it's it's very much there every day. Um, you get into cabs if you've ever seen like that. You see like sometimes uh, people have flowers 
and things on their dash or like almost like smudges on the on their above the uh, above their head on the on the ceiling of the car. You know, it's um, more or less prayer prayer stuff, and and that was very common. There was altars all over the place. The place it was an interesting interesting spot because depending like if you were close to food areas, it smelled a lot like you know uh, open street cooking and incense. Mm-hmm. You know, now if wow. you get closer to uh, back streets, you know, maybe you're going through an alleyway. It's going to smell more like, you know, people's trash and incense. I mean, you go anywhere, it's going to be incense in the air. And there was always, you know, flowers displayed. And, and um, you know, they just had these little shrines everywhere. And it was uh, it was very different. It, it was um, – and we were there during when they had the – they were having a coup of, uh, of the political parties. And I'm talking people riding up and down roads in those big, uh, like large trucks, like you would haul, um, like big produce trucks and things. And you'd have people mm-hmm. with with flags and and I didn't I didn't see guns, but I heard there were guns and things. And and it, so it was volatile. Uh, they never bothered us, but then again, we never jumped up and down and said, "Hey, we're an American. Come, please, you know, kidnap us." But mm-hmm. overall, everyone treated us very well. And um. Once they kind of knew they were, we were there adopting a little boy, it was different. Uh, the religious thing ties into that like this. Some people always – okay, Bangkok is very much a um, – well, there's a, there's a strong child, uh, child sex trade there. And you, know, you see a 40, 40-ish-year-old white guy walking down the street in a sea of Thai people. You know, There's a decent chance he's there to, to hook up with a kid. Um, unfortunate, but that's how sometimes it's, it's treated in a more of a third world type situation. It's uh, it's used for whatever. But so some people would kind of be talking to our little boys like, "Do you want to go with these folks?" Or, you know, I was just making sure we weren't kidnapping. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, this, this is my mom, this is my dad now. Okay, you know, people were fine, but a lot of people were very kind about it. And the thing is, like, do you remember the story of the Elephant Man? I'm not I'm not making this comparison to our boy, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyone who with special needs or had something going on, they go, oh, well, he has this because his mother went to a, a fair and an elephant trampled her or scared her. Or mm-hmm. this guy has webbed feet because maybe in another life uh, the mother did something bad or whatever. And there's always a condition why something bad is happening sometimes. And that's a little bit of a – touches a little bit on that, at least what I felt. But because they had ghosts for everything, mm-hmm. um, you cut down bananas. You have to thank the banana, the banana tree ghost. I forgot the pronunciation of it, but everything. If you drop food on the floor, do not pick it up. That's for the hungry ghost. If you grab, pick that food up off the floor, you're going to have that ghost after you, and you do not want the hungry ghost after you because it eats everything. So, um, very different. It was very, uh, it was very interesting. It was strange. I've always loved Oriental culture, and. Don't get me wrong. It was blazing hot there. It was like the hottest day of summer with 100% humidity day and night. Ugh. And, oh, yeah, sticky, a sticky mess. But um, you don't get used to it, but you learn to weather it. And um, But the people were really good. Uh, we, we stayed at a, a place – well, I'll just – it was I think it was called the Bangkok Christian, Christian Guest House, and – most people from the West stay there because they kind of know, you know, if you're trying to be kind of above board and be a good guy, it's you're not going to go, 
oh, you're in room 17. You want you to send a boy to your room or something? You know, because there are places like that there that would do that. Uh, and they're pretty, you know, high-minded. A lot of them were, you know, were Christians themselves. And so it's kind of like a hotel, but it's in Thailand. And they were very, 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 very kind to us. But, but yeah, religiously, it's uh, it was really strange. I really was endeared to it. Part of me really misses being there, uh, even for the, the short time we were there, because we were only going to be there for like a week. And the coup happened. They shut down the airport. They shut down the waterways. Um, Cambodia was ramp, which is on their border, was ramping up military activity. So, because of anybody trying to flee over that border, they said they'd shoot them. So I'm like, we're screwed, we're stuck. So instead of us freaking out, we became part of the neighborhood, and we would talk to the merchants, and we would do this and that, and we, you know, that's just what it was. You know, we primarily ate through those merchants. We would get our stuff through the merchants. We would, you know, I would ask them tell tell me their stories about their ghost beliefs, their religious beliefs, you know, and it was one of those like, um, was it? Uh, oh, I forgot the holiday. It was wasn't it World War One, where the German troops and and the English troops come across the lines, and they played played rugby and they drank and it was sort of a, a day of peace, and then <laughs> then they went back the next day. Christmas, there it is, and um, obviously we weren't enemies with anybody, but all anybody knew about the West is oh you come here for our children. You come here for our women, and you know it was good to kind of go. Okay, we're not all we're not all like that, and we know you're not all looking to kidnap us or do whatever. And you know, and there's sla- you know slavery type stuff, you know, sex trade, and of all type of races there. So, um, which is an unfortunate, you know, side effect of uh, some of the conditions there. But there was a. Especially in the shrines, because we, we we were allowed to visit, you know, uh, things like the the sleeping the sleeping Buddha and in places like that. But you know, once they understood that, and at this time I wasn't even a writer. I I was still a, a corrections officer at the time. And but I told them, you know, I've been a student of you know esoteric and you know religious subjects, and want to learn. I want to learn more about your culture. I value your culture. And it's hard for somebody to go, you know, well. If you're earnest about it and they can tell you're earnest about it, they go, we won't talk to you about it. Everybody wants to talk about their, their experiences. That's that's human condition. And um, they were extremely welcoming and opening. But, but yeah, like I said, little things. You know, um, if you sit down, don't, you know, point your feet at anybody. The feet is considered the dirtiest, dirtiest part, which is funny because even at the child to childhood or the child orphanage where we've got, a, got our son Joseph – um, the floor, I mean, you could eat off of it. I mean, it was so clean in there. And uh, and the kids were wonderfully taken care of. I know I'm talking about the orphanage. I apologize. But it's not like you would think of like a um, a dilapidated mental asylum and these kids are in rags and sitting in urine and scabby and nasty and malnourished. I mean, it was, a, it was an orphanage, but all these people treated them very well. They were like aunties, you know, aunties and grandmas and big mm-hmm. sisters. They were, you know, because it was primarily ran by, by women. And um, these kids were very uh, well adjusted for their for their condition, you know. And uh, but you know, and that's interesting. You know, a lot of times people look at different cultures as in that Eurocentric. Oh well, we are enlightened; they are barbarians. We are God's people; they are heathens; they are infidels, or whatever term you want to use it. Mm-hmm. And 
it was, you know, I can see why guys like Marco Polo and people that traveled really fell in love with with, with some of it because, again, ancient it was a very ancient culture, and, and I don't know, I, I just kind of fell in love with it, and the way that they come to to ghost culture and ancestral worship, it it almost feels more wholesome than what we got, and I'm not talking people's beliefs, you know, um, it just seems like they certain areas come to grips with death and the afterlife and all that and reincarnation almost seems like it's more healthy because it's not well look okay we're rolling the dice all right pick one before pick one between five you pick three i'm sorry you got to burn in hell it's not like that you get another chance you get to learn you're forever learning that's the thing you know you only come back if you don't figure it out it's like it's like a, a video game with eternal lives you know you will get it. Some are on a quick learning curve. Some aren't, but that's okay. You know, it, it, but, yeah, it, you know, see, see, I just want to say, you know, what you're uh, talking about with the, uh, you know, little shrines at the vendors, uh, you know, you're also able to go to the you know, more notable you know, national uh Religious figure shrines as well, but it, it, you know, even like the little family shrines that that you mentioned, uh, it just shows that you know that there's a healthy uh, family connection that just continues on with you know like a you know, little memento of grandma, and I think when uh, you, you know. We had Richard uh, Balthazar on just a couple weeks ago. Uh, he said something. Uh, he was talking about some of the uh, Mesoamerican cultures. That, um, oh, was it um, Morto? Some festival that that's still celebrated in uh, Mexico. Uh, in the uh, location he was discussing, uh, it, it, it just it seems like. Uh, yeah, maybe here here in America, you know, it's, you know, after someone dies, you know, just kind of forget about them and you know, yeah. uh, go on. But you know, some of the you know, guests we've had on have uh, discussed the you know, strong family connections that uh, remain, even though you know, grandma or grandpa uh, passed away 20 years ago. Right. Well, there's a, you know, I think some of that stems from coming through like, like Europe and the Black Death. We learn to fear the dead because the dead carry disease, and you know it's one of those things. It's going to pollute waters. It's going to do this and that. You know, uh, obviously you can't let something dead fetter and rot in your in the area because it's going to get everybody sick. And uh, because of the different stuff it attracts and the bacteria in the body, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've you know my uh, my son's been gone. Well, it's almost going on five years now. Um, I kept little key things that meant something to him. Uh, he had like different like little toys or things like that or little things that me and him played together with. I have it actually on a bookshelf next to my bed, and. Um, Little things like that, you know. The girls had like little things that they played with or whatever, and maybe uh, 
they used to camp out. One, one of the girls had like a sleeping bag that they used to share. She keeps it in her room. It's actually on her bed. So there's still things like that to keep the memory alive. I actually have a, an alarm for getting up to work, and it always said get up for work and and, and remember Joseph's smile. So um, you know that's our way of doing it, and I don't look at it like he's gone in regards to that, um, which obviously part, literally physical parts of him are still here. He, he was an organ donor. Um, mm-hmm. As as I'm, I will be, but you know I would love maybe one day to, if he's here, if it's possible he can find us. That would that would make me really happy. Who knows? Maybe next round he'll raise me. That's it. That's an in- interesting comment. Well, again, like I said, uh, I'm not particularly traditionally religious, but you know. You know, if if there's something that could always, you know, bring families back together and and all that, I'm I'm all for that. Um, I would I would hate to think you just lie on the ground. Um, you know, everybody wants to see their loved ones again. So, um, right. so the paranormal and the research is just kind of uh, keeping that light on. You know, keeping that door open because, like uh, Barbara said, you know, if you kind of shut that part of your brain down in time, you will, you know, just like. Uh, what, what's what's the uh, therapy? You say if you are jumpy about cats or jumpy about whatever, and you slowly Obvious? get used to being around them. Do I? No, no. I, I say you're talking about a phobia, right? Or any, or just whatever. Something that you have desensitizing. a desensitizing, desensitization yeah. to it. Um, yeah, I think in 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 time you can push out any opening. For any sort of contact, um, you know, and like I said, even in you know, like in the books, you know, uh, the, the hauntings of books, you run into certain things where people make contact with loved ones or make contact with people that they've lost because they do make that allowance for contact and facilitate whatever way, mentally, spiritually, for that to happen. Um, I probably should mention just well, it, before it I forget. Gives you Right. Well, and, you know, I don't know. Is it closure or is it a continuation of re, uh, reuniting again? You know, maybe it's a little bit of both. Oh, it's that as well. Uh, it it uh, gives you the confirmation that there is something beyond this dimension. Right. Um, oh, I did want to say, because uh, we mentioned it a little bit briefly, but I never gave out any web addresses. Um, if anybody's curious about the books, uh, The Hauntings of series are of uh, uh, my podcast House of Asher you can go to steveeasher.com it's all lowercase and together it's basically the name Steve with an extra E and asher.com and uh, it has links to all my books through Amazon Uh, the first two also goes through uh, Simon & Schuster and there's also links to some of my shows so I I thought I probably should throw that out we we hadn't forgotten we're just Captivated by what you had to say. Well, I, again, I'm I'm bad with bad with compliments, but so thank you. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think you have to look at things differently. I um, that's always been a thing. I don't know. I've I've always been that why kid. You know, I'd ask questions about like if you're talking about Sunday school and stuff. You know, okay, well, how did Cain find this wife that wasn't from his Town when they were the only people that were there. Was there a town there before? Was there a proto Adam and <laughs> Eve? Right. Was this clones? Was this aliens? Was it, you know, he killed his brother? You will never have, you know, 
grass will never grow on your feet. You'll never have anything. He built the first city. Um, so, you know, it just sort of looks like, you know, you have to question it. You know, some people say, well, maybe God in time sort of forgave him. I mean, a building, a big stone fell on him, so I don't know how forgave he was. But, um, you know, when you're that kid, you, you make the uh, you make the teachers very nervous, you know, and it's just like, you know, anybody got a question? Not you, Steve. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, and I went really, honest to God, I was just earnest to learn because I'm just like, I'm not connecting some of these dots. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to attack dogma. I'm just simply saying, okay, what does this mean? You know, and uh, and it just it stuck. I never lost it, and I guess that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Who do you have uh, coming up on your next show? Oh, let me take a peek here, because I do not want to say this wrong. Uh, let me see. As I have an appearance on Tuesday on another show, but as of my show, I'm going to have. Uh, Robin Moonshadow from the Strange Realms website uh, does a lot of the paranormal esoteric stuff. And then I am going to have on Saturday Archbishop Ron Enright. He is from the uh, Order of Exorcists, and it's sort of an interesting little thing. Again, I I don't want to be an exorcist. I don't want to be a demonologist. I've I've studied somewhat on that. But, yeah, you can keep that Emily Rose stuff to yourself. I don't need that. I uh, I'll write about it all day, you know, because as you know, some of the some of the stories are kind of little dark, little dark, and uh, mm-hmm. but that's okay. I'll sit over here and I'll write about it, and I, you know, I, uh, what's the father's view of exorcism? Is it you know kind of slowly fading out of practice, or is it? Actually, getting more, yeah, uh, 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 more frequent and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, more frequent uh, because yeah. uh, you know, the, the church is seeing that, that there are um, evil entities attacking people. Uh, what's well, his what I'm take on this is, situation? What I'm hearing, not just from him, but from from. You know, I mean, if you just follow, uh, because I do follow um, different religious sites, you know, and and Catholicism today and things like that, because I kind of like keeping abreast of different stuff. And there was an article, I'll have to try to find it now, where they were talking about they were actually wanting to train, I think it was like 90 or 100 exorcists, because, like you said, things appear to be ramping up. But I think some of that could be either a misinterpretation of spiritual activity. Or people are more open to spiritual practices, and they don't always take precautions, white light and whatnot, and they're having stuff come in by that way. So I don't know if it's so much that the demons are acting up or their people are giving the keys to the house. So that's one of the things we'll be talking about. So. Interesting. Okay. And um, – yeah, yeah, uh, we got sidetracked for a while on other stuff, but it, you know, maybe tie in one more sample in the last ten minutes or so we have left of the show. It, 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 you know, you mentioned something, uh, uh, yeah, a little 
reference to um, reincarnation a little bit ago with the organ donors. Uh, you, you did have uh, a creepy uh, story of a haunted mirror. And that kind of sounded a little little bit like the um, bordering on the uh, reincarnation type theme as someone not, not really finding a termination uh you know, they just kind of kept uh, reappearing in the mirror can, right uh, and uh, can can you tell us a little bit, bit about a haunted object well sure i mean and that's the thing is that um especially something that's either multi-generational something that was with someone through something dark, a fire. Um, I've heard stuff that's come through. Like you always heard about like Robert the Haunted Doll. Or you hear about um, someone brought uh, some rings or something. Maybe they uh, – like Yeah, in right? an estate and, sale or something know. like that. Right, right. Or even – yeah, especially things that maybe, again, that was made you know, generationally before or even something mm-hmm. that – the person who lived there made it themselves, or it was connected to whatever, you know, uh, some important moment or whatnot. It does seem that it endears worship. I mean, if you think about it, and how do I say this? And I'm not, again, I'm not making light, I'm making comparisons. Um, Hammer films, it doesn't matter if it's Peter Kershing or, or Christopher Lee or, or whomever. Um, Dracula backs up off a cross. It's uh, it's just a piece of metal. Now, some people believe you can strike a vampire with, with silver as well as a werewolf and it hurt them. But I think that ties into the concept of silver protects you from rot and from disease, and it's a cleanser. Um, it goes kind of back into the alchemistic mindset. Is it alchemistic? Is that a word? Um, but uh-huh. It is now, according that, to Barbara. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. The judges, the judges vote yes. Um, yep. I feel that, again, you empower and you engender qualities into certain things. You know, um, it just is what it is, and, and what you bring to something sometimes is what you get. I feel that, um, yeah, definitely there are haunted, haunted objects, I feel, if nothing more that it triggers off something in you. Maybe that acts as a trigger object, and it in itself maybe is not imbued with a with a spirit or something, but it is – a trigger thing, just like uh, maybe you are. How do I put this? Like, say you're you have asthma. You know, you're going to be in an area that's going to be dusty. Odds are, just going to trigger an asthma attack. If you are a person who is an empath, um, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an empath, but I think I probably have some of the properties that would constitute an empath. Um, you go in certain areas and certain things that have certain resonances. Um, you're going to pick up on it. And sometimes those people who aren't hip might go, oh, this thing you, – you ever went somewhere and go, I saw this in a window, and it just called to me? How many times have you heard that? And people don't even think about it. You know, Oh, I was in this, uh, and it was in this old junk shop, and I saw this ring, 
and it just said by me. Not literally, but or whatever. Or you know, I found you know something I've been wanting forever talking about hammer films. I want one of those vampire kids. You know, it's got the old crosses and the little derringer and the just because I'm a nerd. Um grew up on <laughs> all that hammer film stuff. I love it. And steak. Oh yeah, the wooden crosses. Yeah, all that and you know, the little uh the little uh, wafer was it wafers called you Eucharist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say it wrong. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Anyway, well, you know what I'm talking so, about. So some holy water, holy water, so the wafers, Eucharist, the little, the little uh, wafers you know, that they maybe give you at communion. Eucharist. That's it. Um, and then you would have maybe something that was made out of a certain type of uh, maybe made out of dogwood because you know it's supposedly connected to Christ. Um, just all kinds of all kinds of you know neat little things in there, but do I need it? Probably not. Um, is it probably imbued with some darkness? Probably if it's they've used it to, to kill somebody or kill what they thought was a vampire. Um, but there's a part of me that really thinks that would look really neat on my wall here in, in my uh, in my little studio behind me. I have like a wall of stuff. I call it my my wall of international horror and uh, and intrigue. So it's got all kinds of different stuff from different movies like Silver Bullet and Trilogy of Terror and you know my original horror host when I was a kid. So, I mean I've got all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, but none of it's from anything like that. I'm, I'm not – well, I'll just say this first. I'm not Zach. I'm not buying like um, Ed Gein's stew pot and Charlie Manson's bones or anything, so I'll keep it kind of mellow. But you're going to find people who do that, and but you're also going to find people that are hoping that it's haunted, which – scares me because I'm like, what are you going to do when it actually pops off? You know, the old, uh, got the tiger by the tail, I think it was an old Buck Owens song. You know, what are you going to do when the tiger starts chasing you around? So um, I do think that it's there. I do think that things hold certain certain memories and whatnot. And, um, you know, that's why, especially if you get a house that's older, um I say bless it. Get it blessed. Bless it yourself. Say the Lord's Prayer with, with some, uh, you know, uh, you know, anointed oil or whatever. Go through burn sage or whatever. Whatever you got to do. What whatever you feel is going to pull positive vibes, and you know, and cleanse your your thing. Go for it. You know, uh, couldn't hurt, right? Right. It, it, so it, it, that's, it, that's that's my feelings on it. All right. I, 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 that's that's great, and and uh, you know we're down to I don't know, like five, four or five minutes uh, left. Uh, can, can you run your contact information by everyone again? Just make sure we get one last plug plug in for your totally interesting shows and books. Oh, sure. You hear the church bells? Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm about two blocks down from a uh, a little Methodist church. I'm telling you, it's like living in um, like Salem's Lot or something. It's got all this quirky, weird history here, and you got tr- weird haunted trains. You got the churches. One of these days, I'll talk to you more about the uh, the body they found under the uh, under the courthouse that was uh, in the ground that was about uh, about 200 years older than uh, the building that was built there. Nobody could explain why it was there, but that's another show. Um, as of my sites, you can find me under Steve Asher. Or Stevie Asher or House of Asher um, on U- or, uh, Facebook, on Google, on um, Instagram, on Twitter, and also on – if you go to YouTube, look up uh, House of Asher 
podcast, or also go to steveeasher.com. That's all lowercase and together, and uh, check things out, or go again to Amazon. That's who's carrying my latest books. You can uh, get it there in uh, their Kindle and also paperback. Uh, and if you've got a bookstore, please try to get them to get it in there. Uh, I would I would love to come sign a uh, sign some books and talk to some folks and in your uh, neck of the woods and you know hear your stories. That's the best part of book signings. You'll hear so many stories, and uh, who knows maybe one of them might end up one of the books because several of these did from my first signing. You know the books the stories I got in this book came from my first signings. And the follow-up to this, which is going to be uh, Hauntings of the Kentucky State Penitentiary Habitual Hauntings, which will be the last of, the, of that series, came from all the signings that people send in texts and things like that of stories. So it's a, it's a living thing, and people are very much a part of it, and I want to thank people for that. Uh, I couldn't do it without you guys. I couldn't do it without your support and, uh, and uh, folks like you and Barbara. Um, you know, um, I, I'm not – I don't know how much of a salesman I am. I, I try to just be – kind of earnest and straightforward um and uh hopefully that comes through yeah uh, i i think we had a, a genuine discussion today well yeah of, i mean yeah, just a little bit of quirkiness mixed in with uh fun and cre- creepy it was, uh covered a little bit of everything well, you know, it's a thing that uh, I mean, you, you can take a look at me. I'm 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 no Hollywood actor, and and it's a thing of um, there's there's a lot of them out there, and then some of them are really good, and some of them kind of aren't all that. But that's not my intention. You know, I'm trying to bring real people's stories. You know, even though they're fictionalized enough, you know, so keep, people keep their anonymity, that uh, people connect with it, and that's I've been so lucky that people have come up and told me um. Of maybe they experienced some similar hauntings in their location, or maybe people that worked at these locations come back and said, I didn't know anyone else had this experience but me. I feel less crazy now. you know. Or, yeah, my grand looked at such, yeah, he said it was very much haunted, and, or I've never heard anybody else mention this. So uh, it, it connects people, and it, it, and it starts that discourse that we talked about. If you can't have growth, you can't have the full picture if you don't have everybody talking. And, and it's uh, ther- therapeutic. Absolutely, and very, very cathartic for people who are going through experiences. And uh, like you said, uh, um, there's closure, and but there's also you take care of that rock, you set it aside, and maybe you walk on up the path. Maybe now you're curious. Maybe now you're in a position where you've been uh, bloodied in battle a little bit, but you're ready for the next step, and uh, that's always fun. Okay. Hey, uh, Steve, we're getting pretty close yes. to – Time to it, say uh, good night, Mark. <laughs> okay. Hey, th- thanks, th- thanks, Steve, for being a just fantastic guest. Thank you, Barbara, for producing this. Uh, it, we'll be back Tuesday night from seven to nine p.m. Eastern to cover five uh, G and s- some of the electrical stuff going on in our environment. So we'll, we'll see you Tuesday night. Also, don't forget Monday night. Um, with Michelle Avanti at nine o'clock. Very good. Keep forgetting two, my show. Two great shows. <laughs> Monday Definitely. and Tuesday. Good night, everybody. <laughs>